Shalom, shalom, and welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original languages as a guide. Today, we are in Numbers chapter 30, and we are reading from the New King James Version Bible. So, I guess I better get to my Bible over here. I have three Bibles open right now, (laughs) so I just realized I probably should get to the this Bible over here on this app. Okay, sorry for the delay. There we go. Lord, please open our eyes, ears, and hearts to your truth. Then Moshe spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is a thing which Yahweh has commanded. If a man makes a vow to Yahweh or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. I want you to stop and think about the importance of what you say. And so the word for vow in Hebrew is nadar. And the word like to swear an oath is shava. Um, it could also be, yeah, shavua. But it's that word, it, it's the same root word as the number seven. Not seven means completion, but the same root word means oath, covenant. I want you to think about that. Because many people say there are seven large covenants found throughout the Bible. They call you know Noah's covenant, Abraham's covenant, anyway. But what I want to say is that the covenant, that number seven, like for a week, we, for every single year we are alive, there are seven days in a week. No matter what, it doesn't change. We have seven. Seven is that completion It is constant, it is eternal, it is always there. There are the seven lamps before Yahweh, his seven spirits. And the word oath is the same word. It says that same root word, seven, Shava. And I think there's something important in that because you don't have to make seven oaths or seven words, but I think it means completed, it's done, it's sealed. Now, it's a little different for a woman but I, I think that is because also since the man is the, made the head of us, just as Yeshua, the Messiah, is head of the us, you know, of the body, also women can be a tad bit more emotional. Not that we're weaker and not that men are weaker. Men are given a little bit more clarity. They are the head. What does the head sit on? It's the shoulders. What does the head do? It's the thinking. It's the determination. Whereas the woman... <laughs> we can sometimes get confused by our hearts um, a little bit more easily. But that doesn't mean that women are less. I mean, God used Holder the prophetess to speak to David. God had Deborah rule the children of Israel. So I don't, I'm not saying it's bad. So I'm trying to help everybody understand the biblical way. But the man is the head. He is. That is the the one who thinks more clearly in a relationship, typically. Now, I'm not always saying spiritually because there are some things that the men in this day, a new thing is happening, a woman shall encompass a man, and because of man's laziness, he is being judged with the woman receiving the truth of Torah first in 99% of families and relationships I have seen in the last 18 years. That being said, I believe that's also a gift to the woman from Yahweh because what he told me one day when I was trying to understand this verse, why Lord does a woman encompass a man? And he showed me a vision of a woman circling from behind her husband. Her arms were around him and she was praying for him. 
And he told me that, that the man has gotten lazy. They are so focused in America, in the world, on entertainment. And they're just lazy spiritually, and they're not leading their families in the correct way. But he also said this to me. He said, through the woman, sin came to the man. She enticed him to sin. But in a kind of redemptive, beautiful story, he now allows the woman, he is now allowing the woman to bring the right to the eat of the tree of life back. Because through the woman, the man lost the right to eat of the tree of life because we deceived the man and we brought him, Eve, through Eve, brought him this fruit. And he ate and therefore they both lost the right to eat of the tree of life. Well, how do you get to eat of the tree of life? We're told in Revelations, it's if you keep the commandments of God, the Torah. And so now in this end day, woman is given this chance to somewhat redeem that action created by the first woman, the end woman here, the last woman, is given this ability, this opportunity to now bring this Torah to her husband. And now, instead of deceiving him with falsehood, we're bringing him the truth. And 99% of people who have come to Torah, it has been this way, where the woman comes first. Not, Not always. There have been a few situations where I've seen it wasn't that case. But even in families where even if the man came, they were coming at the same time to Torah, what I have often seen is the woman starts getting enlightenment first. However, I have also seen plenty of people go astray into Judaism and and follow these other false spirits. Um, But my point is, this is a really important verse, and there's a lot into it, and then what's going to come could offend some people if you don't have the heart of Yahweh. Because the man's word is viewed a little bit more um, standing than a woman's. And so I guess I wanted to preface here. God doesn't look down on women. He's not saying we're made inferior, but we are the helper. Just like our Messiah is above us. He is above us. He is to put over us because, because that's how Yahweh designed it. And we get to glorify him. And so we are to bring honor to our husbands and help them and be their helpers and their helpmates and encourage them and raise them up and lead, help them to become stronger men in Yahweh. So I guess that was a long preface, but this next verse, some people struggle with this, but it's, it's, I understand it. When, when Yahweh opens your eyes, you will understand why, because I do see this folly come out of women sometimes. So let's, let's read it. Verse 3, or if a woman makes a vow to Yahweh and binds herself by some agreement while in her father's house, in her youth, so this is before she's married, she lives with her father, and her father hears her vow in the agreement by which she has bound herself and her father holds his peace, that means he's silent, then all her vows shall stand in every agreement with which she has bound herself shall stand. Okay, so if the father agrees, then Yahweh makes this vow Um it is required of her. Now, remember, your words mean everything. So there's a story we're going to get to in the book of Joshua, where Joshua and the children of Israel are deceived by some of the peoples whom they are supposed to be um, destroying. And these men come with moldy bread, stale bread, and they pretend they're from a far country and they make a covenant, an agreement with Yahweh, I mean with Israel. And Israel says they won't destroy them. So Joshua says, okay, they bind this agreement. Well, the next day they find out they lied. And they went again. And then Israel repents because they realize 
that they sinned against Yahweh. They didn't listen. They were supposed to destroy these peoples and make no covenant with them. But Yahweh required that covenant to be honored because we will see then when Saul is the king of Israel, Saul breaks that covenant and starts killing these people. And Yahweh then sends a famine on the earth for three years. And David, the next king after Saul, asks Yahweh, okay, why is this famine? And Yahweh says it's because Saul is bloodthirsty and he didn't honor this agreement, this covenant with the Gibeonites. And so Yahweh really wants us to be careful what we vow and what we say we will do. And as Yeshua clarifies, let your yes be yes and your no, no. So don't be hasty to agree to something or disagree to something or say you will do something or not do something if you have not yet prayed about it. This is where a woman can be a little bit more rash than a man. And men tend to have a little sometimes more clarity on thinking about these situations, which is why the man has nobody above him other than Yahweh. So when he says it, it's bound upon him. But the woman, her father can say, no, that's foolish. You're not going to do that. And then we'll see what happens when she takes a husband. So I just want to kind of clarify that. Let's keep reading. If indeed she takes a husband while bound by her vows or by a rash utterance from her lips by which she bound herself. So something that was maybe foolish. Ooh, I will interject here. There is, though, that's what Yahweh just reminded me. So you're going to read in the book of Judges about this story of this man. And he foolishly vows to Yahweh, if you if you let me win this battle, Yahweh, when I get back to my house, whatever comes out of my door first, I will sacrifice to you. Okay, so when he gets back home, his daughter comes out. And what Yahweh has always told me, this is the place for mercy, for intercession. He should have repented of his foolish vow. Yes, he had made a vow, and we're going to see where Saul made a vow to kill anybody who ate honey and date him. And so Jonathan ate honey one day and they started to lose the battle because Jonathan ate honey and, or they, that was it. Yahweh didn't answer them. It wasn't, they didn't lose the battle, but Yahweh didn't answer them. And they, they drew lots to see who it was. And it was Jonathan. And what he had done was eaten. Um, sorry, I changed my chapter there. He, Jonathan had eaten honey. And so Saul said, we're going to be put to death, but the people delivered him. And so my point is when you make a foolish vow or something stupid like that, hit your knees and intercede and ask for forgiveness. That man never was to have killed his daughter is what Yahweh told me. Saul wasn't to have put Jonathan to death and he didn't because the people delivered him and then Yahweh returned to the people. And so if you say something foolish, you can repent. You can ask for forgiveness. But it's better if we can learn to be slow to speak, slow to speak, and quick to hear. Let's listen and hit our knees and pray and ask Yahweh for what we're to do. I am not always the best about that. I will tell you because my mind goes about 3,000 miles a minute. And I can be thinking about 15 things at once, planning efficiently everything. I'm very, very efficient at those things. And sometimes... I think very quickly and I answer very quickly. Most of the time the answer was directly from the Holy Spirit because I'm always praying in the moment and I'm quick to hear. <laughs> but sometimes, like if somebody asks me to help and I don't, like I'll feel this twinge from Yahweh, you 
didn't have time. You already had this scheduled or you already were supposed to be doing this after I said it. I spoke before I prayed. (laughs) And so anyway, make sure we are bridling our tongue as the book of James really, really stresses with us. Okay, I'm going to read verse six again. So we'll continue on. If indeed she takes a husband while bound by her vows or by a rash utterance from her lips by which she bound herself and her husband hears it and makes no response to her on the day that he hears, then her vows shall stand and her agreements by which she bound herself shall stand. So if her husband hears and she says, yes, I made this vow that I'm going to do this and the husband's silent, basically he's concurring with it or agreeing with it and it stands. Verse 8, but if her husband overrules her on the day that he hears it, he shall make void her vow which she took and what she uttered with her lips by which she bound herself and Yahweh will release her. So if the husband says, well, this is a stupid vow you took or I don't like that vow or I don't think that's, that's wise right now to do, then she is no longer bound by that vow to Yahweh. Yahweh won't require it of her. Verse 9, also any vow of a widow or a divorced woman which she has bound herself, shall stand against her. So this is a woman without any male head. There's no male um, leader over her. So she's widowed or divorced. So what she says stands. So she has to be very, again, she has to be very careful that what she's speaking is in line with Yahweh's spirit. If she vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by an agreement with an oath, and her husband heard it and made no response to her and did not overrule it, then all her vows shall stand and every agreement by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband truly made them void on the day he heard them, then whatever proceeded from her lips concerning her vows or concerning the agreement binding her, it shall not stand. Her husband has made them void and Yahweh will release her. So the husband has the right to release her from this vow. Every vow and every binding oath to afflict her soul her husband may confirm it or her husband may void it. So right here is indicating that she's fasting the affliction of her soul. Now, if her husband makes no response, whatever to her from day to day, then he confirms all her vows or all the agreements that bind her. He confirms them because he made no response to her on the day that he heard them. But if he does make them void after he has heard them, then he shall bear her guilt. Wow. I don't think women sometimes are appreciative enough of the men, what they bear for us. And I also don't think some men bear their responsibility wisely. I don't think they do it with the kind, loving heart that Yeshua bears us with. But for that perfect, that beautiful family, this is what it is. The man bears her guilt. Yeshua bore our guilt for our foolishness upon him. And that is what the husband is to do for us. So we as wives need to make sure what we honor, what we say, what we do, what we vow will bring honor to our husband. In line with Torah, Yahweh always comes in front of your biblical, of your earthly husband. He told me that, and then it's in scripture, the story of Abigail, where she saved her family when Nabal, her husband, was foolish. She went against his desires and his command, and she actually provided for David and saved her family. And thus Yahweh God intervened and released her from that marriage because he struck her husband dead. And then she was married to David who provided for her. And so there are situations where the woman, you don't ever obey your husband over Yahweh. Never. But if he is a biblical Torah observant man who's doing what Yahweh says, if he's walking in line with the spirit of Yahweh, 
than than you are to respect him. He is the head of the home. Now, if you have a non-believing husband in matters that are not against Torah, you are to respect him. He is to make the decisions for household arrangements and things like that and how he wants it said. If, he, if there's a certain way he wants to set the budget, you respect that. And that's what the New Testament talks about. But never do you break Torah to honor him. That That's not even biblical. So, okay, let's keep reading. These are the statutes which Yahweh commanded Moses between a man and his wife and between a father and his daughter in her youth in her father's house. Okay, that actually I always think is a very moving chapter. It teaches a lot. And really, really, if we love our husbands, we're going to be careful what we say. If we love Yahweh, we're going to be careful what we say. And if we love each other, let's all be careful what we say. Love you all. Have a super blessed Sabbath.